0: How did I make it all these years? How did I make it
1: this far? Through the valleys and over the hills. I know it had to be God.
0: Greetings, audience. I... This is Dr. Odell Glenn of the OG Inspiration Show. The OGA Exploration Show is here to inspire you, motivate you, empower you, enrich the lives of others through education, career planning, my own experiences, nonprofit organizations, authors, faith-based communities, coaches, entrepreneurs, professionals, and small business owners. The purpose of life is to live it, to taste experience, to turn obstacles into opportunity, to the utmost, and to reach out eagerly and without fear for newer, richer experiences. We have an innovative God and he is constantly challenging us to reflect his glory, to utilize the characteristics he has given each of us to move forward towards righteousness and we must often be innovative in that task. And so I want to start off today's show with a word of prayer. Father we praise you, we thank you for another year, another opportunity to express your goodness and to display your faithfulness. Now, God, we ask that you would bless this show. We thank you for the speaker that we have today in the form of Dr. Ron Parson. God, we ask that you would bless his ministry as he is blessing us. We thank you in advance for all that will be blessed. We praise you. Amen. Amen. And so as I do each week, I like to start you off with some motivational quotes. And today I have five of them. And the first one is by Mahama Gandhi. And he said that the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. Wow, isn't that just what Jesus did? He came as a servant and he redeemed us from this world through salvation and faith in him. So he came to serve. So you want to find yourself, you want to lose yourself in the service of others. Another quote is by Albert Einstein. And he said, I am enough of an artist to draw freely upon my imagination. Imagination is more important than knowledge. Knowledge is limited. However, imagination encircles the world. Never stop dreaming. Never stop imagining. Another quote is by Confucius. He said, our greatest glory is not in never falling, but in rising every time we fall. Falling and can't get up. Well, you need to rise. You can't stay where you are. You're in a new year. You want to improve upon last year, the best of your ability." Another quote is by Eleanor Roosevelt, and she said, no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. You know, you have the power, you have power within, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So no one can make you feel less than or inferior, but you, you give that energy, you give that power to others by inviting that inferiority to make room and make space. There's something to think about. And the last quote is from Proverbs 11, 14, Proverbs 11, 14, where there is no guidance, a person falls, but in abundance of counselors, there is safety. And so we are going to have an awesome conversation with Dr. Ron Parson. He has a degree in marriage and family counseling, as well as several other degrees, and he is to give his authentic story as well as to motivate and empower us and please get pen and paper ready because he has several books and websites and a phone number that you may want to call to reach out to him to utilize his services after this short commercial break we will be back to interview reverend dr ron parson
1: do you need a certain sat score to get into the college of your choice where Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it. The Three-Tier Foundation offers online SAT prep classes, Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with a proper coach. We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT-preparation. That's www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT-preparation. In need of a motivational speaker for your upcoming event, Dr. Glenn speaks at school graduations, public gatherings, colleges, and universities. In addition, he is a national radio personality as well as published author. Have him speak at your next in-person or online event at 3 foundation at gmail.com. That's the number 3 tier foundation at gmail.com. Are you a full-time caregiver for a loved one with a terminal illness? Do you feel overwhelmed at times? Do you often feel as if there is no hope? Well, with over 12 years of caregiving experience for two parents alone, in addition to writing a dissertation fulfilling ministerial obligations, working home-based businesses, and radio personality responsibilities, Dr. Odell Glenn has found the time and has had the energy to write a book to inspire and empower other caregivers. Purchase his book entitled caregiving the inspirational manual on his website at www.ogcaregiving.com and you can also book him to come and speak at your next event function or club again the website is www.ogcaregiving.com
0: well radio audience we have a special guest with us here on this morning And we have the Reverend Dr. Ronnie Parson, who is a wealth of knowledge as well as a wealth of experience. And so Dr. Ronnie Parson has served in the pastoral ministry for over 35 years and is presently the senior pastor of the Living Church Ministries located in Charlotte and Statesville, North Carolina, and regional apostle in the Church of Our Lord, Jesus Christ of the Apostolic Faith, Incorporated, Region 12, includes churches in Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Massachusetts, Oregon, Washington, Caribbean Islands, Trinidad, and Grenada. Dr. Parson holds an earned doctorate in marriage and family counseling and a Master's of Theology and Arts in Christian Counseling both from Gordon-Cornwell Theological Seminary. Also, he holds a Bachelor of Biblical Studies from Lee University and a degree in Electrical Engineering Technology from Richmond Technical College. From 1980 to 1985, he worked as a member of the senior staff at Bell Laboratories, Murray Hill, New Jersey. After being divinely called into ministry, Pastor Ronnie Parson has served in pastoral ministry from 1987 to the present time. He recently served as professor of pastoral counseling and pastoral theology at William L. Bonner College in Columbia, South Carolina. He also taught courses in homiletics, church and Pentecostal history, and biblical studies. Presently, he teaches pastoral theology and Christian counseling for the online segment of the WLBC College. Dr. Parson serves as head of the counseling department of The Church of Our Lord Jesus Christ of the Apostolic Faith, Incorporated, overseeing a staff of licensed professional counselors. Dr. Parson is a published author of several pamphlets and four books. I took a beating for this blessing, a cellular communication approach to brief marriage counseling, and the divine LGBT agenda, being a believable believer in a post-truth world and A Pastor's Guide to Doing Referrals. He co-authored a book with his wife entitled To Serve with Nerve and Verve. Also, he co-authored Engineering Publications 1983 at Bell Laboratories, Murray Hill, New Jersey. Pastor Ronnie Parson and his wife and best friend, Lady Rabuna Parson, travel extensively teaching, training, and conducting seminars that range from leadership, essentials, marriage, and family development to a variety of contemporary topics and theological themes impacting the 21st century church. His ultimate goal is to please his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. After this short commercial break, we will hear from none other than the Reverend Dr. Ronnie L. Parson Sr. Well, welcome back, audience. We have Reverend Dr. Lee Parson Sr. with us here in podcast world as well as in the studio. And so, Reverend Parson, can you greet the audience and just tell us a little where you're from and where you're residing? Yes. Well, good morning to
2: everyone. I'm from the humble town of Waysboro, north carolina and my wife and i we presently reside in harrisburg north carolina outside of charlotte by way of new jersey
0: great 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 and so dr parson you have an extensive background and a little bit like myself yeah. in, a, in a way you um have an engineering background and you're also in the ministry Can you tell us how your electrical engineering career began?
2: Well, actually, probably when I was in the sixth, seventh grade, I would tinker. And uh, when Radio Shack was a big thing, I would have my mother go get parts. And I would just tinker with things, try to create radios, create projects. And I was just always interested. And when I went out to technical college, I actually had came up with a prototype for a stringless bass guitar that I actually kind of put together and it actually worked. And at the time, Bell Laboratories was sent out scouts looking for uh, specific talents and they chose uh, me. And I actually went to Bell Laboratories. I worked on projects that I read about and uh, worked with uh, people who worked under a guy named Shockley who created the first transistor. And also you have what's called a diode, called the Shockley diode. But I worked with some of those gentlemen that worked along with him and worked on a project called the MAU or the Math Accelerator Unit, uh, which worked with along with microprocessors to do the math to free up the CPU. And so all of this was like groundbreaking. And of course, uh, Bell Laboratories actually uh, invented the uh, Math Accelerator Unit where big companies now like Intel and others, all of these things are integrated into the processors now. But I was right on the forefront of technology and it was sort of like, Mama, I have arrived. I'm doing everything (laughs) I want,
0: you know? (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Those were exciting days. Yeah. And look at where we are today with computers and with electronic devices. So let's just talk about that for a minute. And so what were you actually responsible for at Bell Laboratories? What was your piece in the puzzle to help push that along?
2: Okay. Yes. I was at the actual, was called the wiring technician person. Everything was done by way of computers. Then there was an operating system that was built on the C language, which is called Unix. And what a lot of people do not know is that whether you're talking about Apple or whether you're talking about Google and those various companies, all those platforms are built on the Unix operating system, which Bell Laboratories invented so many years ago. But my responsibility was once the other engineers had kind of putting all of the circuits together and the integrated circuit would go to what was called the mask chop before it went. I was responsible for making sure that all of what was called the super blocks came together so that all the wiring would actually work. And my first project I worked on was the math accelerator unit. And that went down in the history as one of the best processors that Bell Laboratories had ever done in their history. And of course, now that is technology that other schools around the world is actually studying that
0: technology. It's called a math accelerator unit. Awesome. 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 So you really came from humble beginnings and moved on and created great products that we take for granted now, but Bell Laboratories, I definitely remember. Having studied the history of it, and you had to deal with Bell Laboratories. when I was going through undergraduate school, we all wanted internships at Bell Laboratories and it was mainly electrical engineers, but they did hire some mechanical engineers. Could you tell the audience what type of people made up the team? Was it all electrical or was it a bit of a little bit of different majors?
2: Yes, it was of uh, different majors. Of course, Bell Laboratories and Murray Hill, once there were mechanical engineers and there were actually people who worked on the laser technology. Of course, Bell Laboratories, uh, tech engineers, is who invented the laser, light amplification by spontaneous emission of radiation. That came from Bell Laboratories. And I knew some of those people. I actually worked with also people there that created the microphone. But the team that I was a part of, We were made up of mostly engineers and computer science people, as well as technical, we would call senior technical staff. Actually, we were the hands-on people that actually, if there was circuits and things that needed testing, we would do those testing. But I got pulled in to do the computer-aided wiring. And also, very few people know that the crystal microphone was invented by a Bell Laboratories engineer. His name was Jim West. He held over 18 to 20 patents on the crystal microphone alone,
0: and I got a chance to meet him. All right, all right, all right. That's, that's impressive. These names go down in history books. And so now you are moving on, and now today you hold a doctorate in marriage and family counseling. How did the Transition occur.
2: Oh, that is a real good question, Mr. Glenn. Because I'm going to rewind real quick, then move fast forward. I was a chronic stutterer up until about the eighth grade. I couldn't talk really at all. I could sing, and people asked me my name, and I couldn't even say it. But then God blessed me and kind of healed me of that. And I was almost kind of like an introvert most of my life. And when I moving back to North Carolina a few years after that I was in the ministry and my wife at the time she was 29 years old and she was diagnosed with breast cancer and they really wasn't looking for it because she was so young and at the time it was just a very devastating we had four small children just a very devastating time and of course you know when they found the cancer they gave her 15 days to live but in a few months she kind of came out of it and the lady saw her A year later, and said, Aren't you the lady that had the cancer they told me to come out to see? And she said, Yes. And she said, Well, no, they only told me you had 15 days. But in a few months, you know, when they first found the cancer, her bones were so brittle that when they went in to do the biopsy, the needle just went through. It had no resistance. Mm -hmm. And so she actually pulled out of that. And it was interesting at that time, Duke University, and I'm in the early 90s now, Duke University was working on the stem cell research. And Mm -hmm. one of the doctors called me in his office one day and he whispered to me and he said, you know, people say there is no God. He said, but we didn't do this. He said her bones have rehardened and everything that we Um, did would have done nothing to reharden her bones. And he um, kept saying, we can't explain how that happened. And he kept saying that, but that was a devastating time. And she actually recovered from that, lived another two years and it came back with a vengeance. But when they found it after that, she had, they said, 15 tumors on her brain. And Good Friday, 1994, April, she breathed her last breath about three or four o'clock in the morning. After that time, I was devastated. I had four small children. I had promised her that I would raise them, keep them together. And I just wanted to die, Mr. Glenn. But after recovering and coming out of that, I just wanted to do something to recover And to force myself to keep living. And how I ended up at Gordon-Cornwell was I was still working on Unix systems and working on computers. That's how I raised my family. And I was on my way to Concord. And I looked in my rearview mirror. And I had stopped at a light. And I saw a truck. And I said, wow, he's going pretty fast. And the next thing I went, seeing to fast, got out of my mind. He hit me running at about 55 miles per hour. And my head hit the steering wheel. And I could feel myself going out. And I hear people screaming, smoke was everywhere. We got to move. We got to get this one out. We got to get them out. Mm. And the whole back of the, my little van had all this computer equipment in it. I was transferring a company at the time and mm. people were just screaming and they finally got me out. My wife that I'm married to now, we was only married about six months. And when I felt myself leaving, I felt myself going out and I never forget it. I said, God, please take care of my little wife, the family, and my children. And I had just gotten out of my mouth. I said, Lord, receive my spirit. and Because I was convinced that I was dying. I couldn't stay conscious. But I heard a voice. It wasn't audible, but I heard it in my spirit. And it just came out of nowhere. But the voice said, now enroll in gordon Conwell and take up counseling. Oh, wow. Thank the you. Voice you said, the voice said, it. you know, I would have never, I mean, if I was going to go back to school, I would have gotten into theology or the master of divinity at the time, I had no counseling courses. And when I went to Gordon Caldwell and talked to the advisors, he said, well, this is unusual because I had no courses. And he said, what I'm going to do, he says, I'm going to allow you to critique 15 books for a year. He said, and if you critique these books and after that year, we'll come back together and we'll decide whether we will let you into the program. And I read all of those books he gave me and I critiqued them. And a year later, He let me into the program and that's how I ended up in counseling.
0: Wow. So audience, have you listened to the story? Very authentic, very life-changing and very cohesive. Thank you, Parson, for sharing that with us. So it took life experience, uh, a drastic life experience for that to happen, that God orchestrated your steps to go into marriage and family counseling, which is so much needed today. I mean, I'm listening to your story and I'm just pondering to myself, you know, I kind of had some of the same similar situations, never knew that I would be a radio podcast or radio host yeah. personality based on me being so shy growing up or just quiet and, yeah, and then moving integrating engineering, but also just moving my ministry to a platform that empowers people and then being a caregiver on top of that to write a book on caregiving that I had never imagined that I would be a caregiver to the level extent that I am. And so I say that to say, audience, when you're listening to authentic stories like myself or Dr. Parson, sometimes Your steps are actually ordered by God to move into direction to fulfill purpose and destiny that you don't know of. Of course, all the things that you have done and are doing is a part of the story, but God has a bigger plan for your life so that you are impacting and fulfilling your whole purpose and your destiny. And to go through tragic situations like that, Dr. Parson where you saw death at the door with your first wife and then Lord being in a car accident, Lord, receive my spirit. But he said, no, no, I have more work for you to do to now where you are today, author of four books and the bishop over entire regions is just breathtaking to know how God used you. Can you tell the audience and give the audience some clarity on that? Yes, one thing that I do now when I talk to students, I tell them if you want to know
2: your purpose for your life, study your own life because yes. God has been doing it all of your life. And I use the expression, God is not flying by the seat of his pants. He didn't just decide when we came became adults what we're going to do. And I was convinced that I was going to be an engineer for the rest of my life. I mean, that was I had arrived. That's what I always wanted to be. But then I realized that and I was preaching in Rhode Island a few years ago. And a young man came up to me and he said, you're an engineer, aren't you? And I said, well, I said, well, yes, that's what I do. And I said, but how do you know? Because I had never met him before. He said, well, I noticed how you took your time and did all the analyzation before you finally got the meat of the message. And he said, nobody does that but engineers. Mm -hmm. And, and, And I had never thought about that before. And I realized that your life preparation, i mean, we work jobs and we have careers, but then God has a vocation for us. And sometimes we're in occupations that we don't know that we're preparing for our ultimate vocation. There was a man in the Bible named Joseph. That's what happened to him. I mean, he ended up being an administrator, but that was he was doing all his life. And then a lot of times we're working jobs, just work. uh, We have careers, but then God is bringing us to our vocation. And I think that's kind of what happened here because I never would have chosen what I'm doing right now, but I'm passionate about it right now, because when I was trying to recover from the death of my wife, I could just hear the Lord speaking to my heart saying that I'm going to send hurting people your way. And and I'm going to mention this too, because I think this is quite significant. When my first wife was dying, I mean, I didn't know, I was in a daze and I just could not see that happening. I could not see God allowing that happen. I mean, just trying to serve God, just trying to do ministry, not trying to be anything great, not trying to hurt anybody. I couldn't see it happening. But a nurse walked into the hospital one Sunday morning and she looked at me and she said, You know, your love for her shines through. And she says, You're going to be able to help men one day with their wives. And you know, mm-hmm. when she said that, I was at the point of kind of offended because what are you talking about? I mean, I'm just trying to help my wife and get out of this godforsaken place. But years later, I realized. Sometimes I'm sitting in marriage counseling and listening at couples talk about things. And sometimes tears come to my eyes because I think about I had 13 years and I said, life is so short. And A lot of times we spend so much time fussing and fighting and bickering whenever God wants us to enjoy ourselves. And I just think it all kind of works together in a sense of God orchestrating your life. And you're not really knowing that. When I was the first of nine siblings that left the state of North Carolina to go to Jersey. My mother didn't want me to go. And she was crying and we were standing in the field. Oh, the big fields were forming one day. And she cried and she said, Ronnie, she said, you know, she said, you are my seventh child born the seventh month on the 27th day. And she she said, you and I, we've had a special bond because my mom was very sick when I was a baby. They wanted to put her in what was called Dorothy Dix, but my father wouldn't allow them. And for what I can understand, my father left his job and just, I loved her back to health. And my mother died an old lady. She recovered from what they called that she was crazy and wanted to put her away. And so I was a baby at the time. And I think that was one of the ways they diagnosed my severe stuttering as a detachment disorder. Wow. And so, and, and I think it kind of all kind of plays out as just, you just living. And now I tell people, you know, just live You with so much loss and grief. You can't understand it, but if you don't live, you die. You just live, and as you live each day and just continue to trust God, you tend to walk in your destiny. When you walk in the known destiny, when you walk in the known will of God, which is the word of God, you ultimately walk into your specific purpose.
0: Oh, yes, you do. Yes, you do. Now, that is so true. All things in your life are working together for good no matter how dark, no matter how bright, whether you're in the valley, whether you're in the mountaintop, everything is working cohesively for your good because you're sent here to work on purpose, to fulfill purpose and to be on purpose to fulfill the destiny that God has called you. We don't see it all at once. That's why it's a faith walk. And so if you asked us, Years ago, with we would be where we are today, we would not know that we would be where we are today, but it's a faith journey. When you open your spirit up and says, God, use me for your glory, he puts you in places so that you can be used, that you can be the light. Sometimes you are the only light that people will see. Sometimes your testimony is the only Bible people will read. And so being in the valley is a part of the process to fulfill your purpose and your destiny. And I'm so glad that you said yes to that, Dr. Parson.
2: And you know, um, somebody, it's such mm-hmm. a
0: scary place. And
2: yet that valley is such a scary place.
0: Yes, it is. Yes. That valley makes you. And when you look back over your life and you look at the valleys, you didn't understand it then, but you are a stronger person now. You know, life doesn't become easier. You become stronger. And so as you become stronger, you're really able to overcome the wiles of what the world has and then be able to help someone. You know, there's a lot of people you can help in the valley <laughs> and be a light. And had you not gone to that valley yourself, you wouldn't know that God will be with you through that valley. But as you mentioned, the valley is not a comfortable place, but it's also a place of preparation a place of growth, and a place of purpose. Guys, we are having an awesome conversation, but we're going to take a short commercial break. When we come back, we're going to dive into Dr. Parsons' books. He's written four books, and we want to dive into those books after this short commercial break.
1: Do you need a certain SAT score to get into the college of your choice? Well, Dr. Odell Glenn can help you get it. The Three-Tier Foundation offers online SAT prep classes. Dr. Glenn will show you test strategies and tactics needed to get the score you want. The exam is beatable with a proper coach. We are open to working with individuals, schools, and groups for six-week online sessions. Sign up at www.3tierfoundation.com forward slash SAT-preparation. That's 3 tierfoundationcom forward slash SAT-preparation. Do you have that burning desire to educate, empower, and inspire community? We here at WDRB Media provide you with such wonderful opportunities to make such a positive impact. So step out on faith and make a significant difference with your gift. We care about your voice and the impact it has. Call one 342 7770 and provide them with the code 1349 to begin the process. That's 1-877-342-7770 and code 1349. In need of a motivational speaker for your upcoming event, Dr. Glenn speaks at school graduations, public gatherings, colleges, and universities. In addition, he is a national radio personality as well as published author. Have him speak at your next in-person or online event at 3tierfoundation at gmail.com. That's the number 3 foundation at gmail.com.
0: Well, welcome back, Radio Audience. We are having a wonderful conversation with Dr. Parson. He has a plethora of experience, both in the secular and the spiritual world, and told his authentic testimony. And, Dr. Parson, can you tell us what a marriage and family counseling degree does for you? What opportunities can you go if someone is considering going that path? What opportunities are available? And I'm sure with counseling today and COVID, there's a lot of opportunities available for someone to do well in counseling. Could you share with us?
2: At the time I went in, I was able to get into the program without any background because God just had mercy, I guess, on me. But I was at Garden Carwood not too long ago, and some of the staff was sharing with me was that if I was to come now, I couldn't get in because it's so saturated with people trying to get in. But it will help. If people had those type of courses already in their background, where they can actually move right into that. And then there are those times, like in my case, where the advisor said that when someone asks them one day, how did they determine who to get into the course? Because they give you these psychological tests as well. And he says, if we went by the test, none of you would be in counseling. <laughs> so it's just like everybody. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. Had issues that he said, but we try to hear people's heart and listen to God and determine. And so there's just two ways that you could go. You can go and in into secular counseling, which is which is very, which is very well, very fine. Or either you could go into Christian counseling, uh, a place like Gordon Cornwell offers you all of what you would get uh, if you just went to a, any college or secular college. And what they'll do is they will overlay it with the principles from the word of God and counselors in the area of Christianity. And so with a place like that, you get the best of both worlds. And if people who are Christians who would want to go into counseling, I would recommend them taking that route, uh, one that will give you all of, of the secular nuances of training, but will overlay it as with biblical theology as well. Not necessarily a a denominational perspective, but just an ecclesiastical, pure, biblical
0: knowledge and understanding of the word of God. Great, great analogy, Dr. Carson, because that is extremely important. Right now, I'm finishing working on my MDiv at Luther Rice University in Lithonia, Georgia. And even though it's an evangelical university, they come with... Secular perspective so that you're broadband in your thinking and you're broadband in your knowledge of understanding different points of views. I also think it's important for Christians sometimes to even study Islam to understand their point of view of where they're coming from without judgment so that you can then make concrete decisions in a secular environment to be able to cohesively distinguish the word of God from um, the secular. So what you just mentioned, I think is extremely important that your college allowed you to embrace the secular, of course, the spiritual, but be able to then make concrete judgments because it only strengthens your faith when you are in a diverse environment, when you're dealing with faith issues. Can you speak on to that?
2: Yes. And one of the main reasons why there is, is that because of uh, licensure, my goal was to be able to minister the counseling aspect and integrate it into the ministry as well. And what you just said is real important because a lot of times people think, well, there's secular, you know, Sigmund Sigma fraud and BF scanners that these guys were atheists. But one important thing that they missed is that all good and perfect gifts come from God. It doesn't matter who oh, they God. are. All souls belong to God. And just Sigmund Freud, for example, who went down in history as the father of psychoanalysis, he was the grandson of a Hebrew scholar, really. So he was very familiar with the biblical aspects of these things. And he described depression as anger turned inward. Uh, Well, he didn't pull that out of the air. He basically got there from God telling Cain uh, in the fourth chapter of Genesis, that you need to deal with this anger, you need to deal with, with your sin. If you don't, it's going to get the best of you. And so a lot of times, although they were secular, and even some professed to be atheists, but the principles and the foundations of how human behavior works, you don't have to be a bona fide Christian speaking in other tongues to understand how the human behavior and mind works. And there's yes. a lot of knowledge out there. But I would recommend, especially Someone who's just like I would say that they're a baby Christian who's just starting out, you know, that they get as much foundation in the word of God as possible. Because I've run into so many people that kind of try to jump into these various areas real early and just really
0: became very confused. Right, right. So you have to have a strong foundation of the word of God so that you're able to stand up against anything that may go contrary to it. But yet and still, it's also good to have a broad foundation to be able to tackle and to understand exactly. different races. Exactly. I, I had a pastor who said that he loves the book of Ecclesiastics because it makes all the other books very honest, and because Ecclesiastes is very philosophical, but it also makes everything honest and balances everything out. So, and when you think about it, it is because it really challenges your faith, but to let you see that, you know, the grass and the rain falls and the sun shines on the just and the unjust and a system that God controls. And then the book of Job, where even Job was, you know, tested in a way such that any unjust person should have been granted what he was given, but then God used that to make a broader point. And so sometimes we're not going to understand everything, but we know that God is a God of justice. And some things in the human realm, we will never understand until we get to the other side. But that's a whole nother topic, Dr. Ronnie Carson, and with your expertise and with your knowledge, we can be on that for days. As engineers, I like to ask God sometimes the tough questions.
2: <laughs> but, <laughs> no, but no, It's <laughs> no. uh, true. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, but I don't know like the answers, but. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but um, Dr. Parson, can we get into your books? Let's start off with the first book and then we'll go on each one of them. And so could you tell us a little about the title of your first book, I Took a Beating for This Blessing?
2: Yes. <laughs> I took a beating for this blessing. It's an expository life application narrative, if you will, taken from a chapter in, one of the, in the life of one of God's great patriarchs, Israel, who began as Jacob. And I talk about him grappling for a blessing all of his life. But in the end, I kind of infuse it with a chronicle of my own experience. When I was going through that with my first wife, I actually had a little small notebook that I just kept had to write things down. And when I found it later and found out later that I had chronicled that time and towards the end of the book, I kind of spilled over into that area and I realized that I actually did took a beating and the book shows the reader that it is possible to receive a blessing from every experience, even though the experience may be filled with periods of severe beatdowns, And the the thing that the whole premise of the book is make every beating bless you. Say if you're going to take a beating from life, then you need to let it bless you in return. You don't need to give up and throw in the tower. You need to keep living so that that beating can ultimately bless you. And, and that's, oh, kind yes. of what and, you know, oh, you know yeah. Jacob took a beating that night, but he hadn't saw his brother Esau in 20 years. And when someone called the name Esau, he was pushed back 20 years. And I called it the Esau button. Sometimes people never heal and recover from certain things. And later in life, something triggers it and they find themselves in a place where they are totally divided. And I've experienced yeah. so many counseling situations called a multiple personalities, or either a split personalities. A lot of times, whenever a child is abused when they are small, God has made us so robust that sometimes they can handle that behavior by objectifying what is subjective. That's why if we suspect that a child has been abused and we're not for sure, you know, you give them a toy or give them a figure and watch them play with that figure. And if they're sometimes poking at the genitals, let's use that sign that something has happened. But we know how to split off as children to protect our essential self, especially if somebody who loves you is abusing you. I mean, how does a child deal with that? Well, we kind Mm -hmm. of split off and create doors and create an imaginary world. But the problem is some people don't reintegrate when they grow up. And sometimes they end up being referred to as split personality or multiple personalities. And so Jacob kind of done something similar. He kind of divided his family when he heard about Esau so that he could save at least some of what he had.
0: Wow. Dr. Carson, where can someone go if they're listening to this broadcast?" And they need that counseling. They are that child that has a split personality. They are hurting right now. And this show is being a blessing to them to go seek help. Where would they go to seek professional help?
2: The Church of Our Lord, we do have a counseling 800 line that someone can actually call. And depending on the nature of the situation, a particular counselor will be assigned to them. One blessing now is that people can do virtual counseling and Zoom counseling, and it's quite effective. That's kind of one of the things that we have happening. But a person now can just about Google anything close. I would recommend a a Christian counseling um, uh, location where there's several in the Charlotte area, but wherever you may be, there will be some type of uh, uh, Christian counseling that they can look for. Let's just look for Christian counseling.
0: Awesome, awesome. Now, you've also written another book and this the title of this book is very interesting, A Cellular Communication Approach to Brief Marriage Counseling. It seems as <laughs> if it's tying the Bell Laboratories to the marriage counseling. Could you expound on that?
2: It is. <laughs> <laughs> It's actually, this is probably one of my most difficult books to read, but there are some good chapters in there about love and how love Mm -hmm. works. This is my thesis project, actually. I came up with a counseling technique called the cellular communication approach. And ultimately what it is, is that when you are close to a radio station or an an FM, AM tower, even Mm -hmm. the cellular towers, like I have one right outside of my house, not too far from me, the 5D towers. When you're close to those towers, the signal comes in strong. You don't have any static. I mean, you can dial it anytime and it's right there. And so what this book is all about is is that love is the tower and everything that's in love is in that tower. And as far as you stay close to those aspects of love, like, you know, forgiveness, kindness, as long as you continue to do those things, you'll find yourself, your love signal continues to come in strong. But the further you get away from the love tower, And you refuse to forgive, refuse to be kind to each other. You find yourself getting into a whole lot of static, you know, Mm -hmm. a whole lot of static. And the book talks about just the principle of just looking at where are you at on the continuing of these things when it comes down to the fruits of the spirit and the things that are in love. And Mm so it's basically about the closer you are to the tower of love, the stronger your communication is going to be. You get away from that tower of love and you're going to have static in your communication, just like you do in a radio station
0: or your cellular communication. Yes. Wow. Very, very, very interesting. Communication is the key to any relationship, whether it's marriage, business exactly. or any type of partnership. Communication is the key goal. Um. The next book is Also very interesting, the divine LGBT agenda, being a believable believer in a post-truth world. Can you expound on that one? Yes.
2: And when people see that, I say on the back immediately that this has nothing to do with the political agenda of the LGBT, although it is mentioned in this book as it relates to truth and what truth is all about. Well, the book is really about no one really wants to live in a chaotic world where there are no rules and laws and are governing human reaction. But we are in a time now where there's a lot of prevailing agendas, especially within our culture, to make sure that the true and good and moral and ethical things only apply to the subculture that really embrace us. There are casualties for other facts or irrelevant, as long as it feels right to some people. And this is part of what is being deemed a post-truth. It doesn't matter if it's true or not. And we have seen this in our world. We've seen it in the Christendom. We've seen it in our politics. We've seen it in the world of politics. People don't care about the truth anymore. They really don't care about it. It's that that's different from absolute truth. That's different from relative truth. Post-truth says, well, if it's true, we really don't care. Uh, we're going to work things according to our own perspective. And of course, this is prevailing in our culture. But among some of the casualties are Christian church ideologies and traditions that were once celebrated as divine truth in churches and standards by which people live. Now, many of these standards are being outdated as old traditions. And Christianity is a tradition itself. So if you push the envelope too far, it's sort of like you're sitting on a limb and you're cutting, you're sawing that limb off where you're going to fall on the ground. You know, if you gut Christianity of Jesus Christ and remove the resurrection, what Christianity is all about and make it about, say, naming it, claiming it, jabbing it, stabbing it grabbing, it, grabbing it, reaching up and having it, and all of the material things of the world. If Christianity becomes about that and Jesus Christ is no longer in it, then we, then you, you no longer have Christianity. You just have another philosophical position. And then yes. say, well, everybody have their own truth, and God has a truth. So I try to take away all of personal, anything that I would say personal, anything that is denominationalized and just say, let's just look at the raw Bible and see what it says, and then let God be true. This book is about letting God talk for himself. Wow, and wow. And not the preachers, not Parson, not my friends, not my past, not what I think the Bible is saying, not what denominations have created the Bible to say, not what the various theological agendas, what Martin Luther said, what John Calvin said. We just want to let God talk for himself because everybody has
0: a truth now. Exactly. You know, Dr. Parson, I got to have you back for another show. That's a whole nother show. Name it, claim it, prophecies of cars, houses, where, I mean, I could say this because I've been in almost all denominations and churches through my travels as an engineer and thank God for the foundation of Jesus Christ Amen. The center and the redemption at the cross because every era had this different slogan, the year of this, that, and the other. And sometimes we lose the sight of the foundation where Amen. Jesus is an evangelism and reaching yes. the lost at any cost. And when it becomes a secular and it becomes a business, then the lights and the glamor outweigh the foundation of bringing yourself to the cross and being crucified with him. Yes. Paul talked about this a lot. Persecution. That was something that they didn't want to hear too much because of the Greek and the Romans, basically culture of this mystic type of society. But you have to be persecuted and crucified with him to be able to live with him. And that means dying to the flesh. We don't hear that too much now <laughs> in certain circles. Maybe now that the pandemic has happened, those things are maybe be coming back around, but, you know, the foundations, as you mentioned, is extremely important to keep yourself focal and focus and not so much the glit and the glamor that may come along with some of being great in certain circles. So like they said, that's a whole nother yeah, radio show. Yeah.
2: <laughs> and you know, just like these years have been uh, quarantine, so many people have struggled because they really were not living the crucified life. And that, that's exactly. one of my favorite subjects I had to minister at the, our convention on last year, the, the virtual. And that's kind of what I talked about. Every letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, he pulls the crucified life into it. He yes. literally saw himself. And whenever Jesus arrested him on the road to Damascus, he literally, not hypothetically, he literally knew he was living as the Lord's prisoner who was living the crucified life. And that's what Christianity is all about. We like to use that scripture, especially Pentecostals. After the Holy Ghost come upon you, you shall have power and you're going to be my witnesses. Well, witness is a nice word, but Mm -hmm. that word comes from from the word martus, where we get the word martyr from. And that scripture yes. is read, when the power of the Holy Ghost come upon you, you're going to have the power to put your life on the line. That's what that means. Oh, yes. oh wow. Okay. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. And i tell you, there are times, going back to something that you mentioned earlier, when I was coming from Duke University one night, trying to get back home before my little children went to sleep so they could kind of see me. I was passing through Concord. It was raining. And I was so tired. I opened my eyes and I could see trees. And I heard a voice that said, I'm going to kill you. But I just couldn't hear God saying anything. I got as forced as living church, and I was so tired, I got out and just crawled under the back seat to try to figure out. I could hear God saying nothing. And there are times when God allows us to go through pure hell. Mm-hmm. And it's those times when you kind of learn that it isn't about what you can get in this world, but representing Jesus Christ until we. Learn how to die to our flesh. We'll never know how to live for Christ.
0: Oh, yes. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. I didn't
2: mean to go on a rap page there.
0: (laughs) there, Let me pause. When when you got two engineers and two preachers, (laughs) (laughs) we go into the depths, as the young man from Rhode Island mentioned to you. He knew you was an engineer because you went into the depth and the inconsistencies of the word to pull it out, the true meaning. So there's golden nuggets in the word of God, but your experienced audience is for your purpose and your destiny. And anybody, whether it's secular or spiritual, they will tell you that they had to go through the deep pocket valleys to get to where they are today. Any celebrity or any famous athlete will tell you there's... Periods of loneliness. There's periods of self sacrifice that you have to get to to become who you are today. And if God has instructed you to open up a business or has instructed you to go back to school or do anything great, trust the process. Not many people will understand the call on your life. It'll be a lot of lonely nights. You'll be frustrated. Yes, these are common emotions that happen, but also know that you're working your purpose for the greater good and that you're being led in the direction that you should go. And this is part of the process. So the walk with Jesus is not always sunny days. You are confused, you are perplexed. But in those perplexed times, you're walking with peace. And that is something the world doesn't have. The peace, that passive, passive, all understanding, that peace can only come from his strength. Amen. Dr. Parson, you also wrote a book entitled A Pastor's Guide to Doing Referrals. Can you talk about that one?
2: Yes, that started out as mainly for the preachers that are in the organization that I'm a part of, but I just kind of made it general for any pastor who's actually doing pastor admit. See, a lot of uh, traditional historical ways of pastoring, especially in the African-American community, uh, pastors had to be everything. He had to be the doctor, the lawyer, the advisor, he had to be everything, but he might not be equipped to be everything. And Mm -hmm. so how does he navigate that? Well, it's a pastor can have pastoral ministry where he's still over the ministry, but allow the professionals that's in his congregation, that's among them to aid and do these specific things in the area of counseling under the pastoral ministry. And in addition to that, it doesn't say anything negative. About a pastor who says, listen, I don't want to handle this, but there's a counseling place right down the street that do marriage counseling, that do, you know, drug addiction counseling and et cetera. And I'm going to recommend you to go to that place. That's a counselor, that's a pastor expressing the love for God and the people of God. And knowing when to do referrals just talks about a lot of ways that a pastor can know when to make that referral and not begin to say things ultimately that may even bring injury to the person. It's not a big book, it's not a large book, but it gives several ways how a pastor can know this is time for me to refer this situation
0: out. Right. I was just reading an article the other day that their children are going back to school, but they're going back with mental as well as you know, frustration issues. So there's a lot of mental wow. crisis is that going on because kids have been out of school for so long. And even in some communities, it's going online, offline, they still don't know. And so that is an awesome guide for you to tell pastors because pandemic pastors, I have to take some time to give you guys your flowers because you have Really come through. No one's ever pastored during a pandemic, and those pastors that are pastoring have really been faced with a lot of different things. We had an appreciation service for my pastor at Reed Chapel AME Church in Columbia, South Carolina, and I got up and made announcements that we have to applaud all of our pastors who be a leader in this type of pandemic. is an honor to get through and continually going through. Um, you're faced with a lot of different issues that you didn't face before. A lot of them being mental, people losing jobs, don't know where they're going to go at home. Even there's abuse at home. I talk with a social worker, the abuse rate is higher now because exactly. people are quarantine, and that accused, that is abuse rate of spouses as well as children. So there's a lot of Underlying emotional and mental factors that are going on that pastors are now dealing with, and they really should get your book, a pastor's guide to doing referrals. This is a opportune time to go ahead and get your book, Pastor Carson. Where can people go and order these much needed pamphlets and books?
2: You know, I tried to make recently. I tried to make it very easy. The Barnes and Noble is one, but anyone just log on to Amazon and
0: search uh, Dr. Ronnie L. Parson, all of them will come up. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And so, Dr. Parson, you and your wife also read a book together called To Serve with Nerve and Verve. Can you talk about that one?
2: Yes, that one is kind of chronicles a lot of my wife's history. We are actually co-laborers in ministry and it kind of chronicles a lot of what she went through. And she served our leaders' wives for several, several years. And now she's actually one of those leaders. She's one of those leaders' wives now, myself. But she, her whole thing is serving. And it talks about when how she grew up as a little girl. She was a twin. And how things happened, such as she was so small that one day she ran out in the road to get a ball and she saw a truck coming. And she just laid down in the road and the truck went over her. Mm. And, you know, I like to say, well, you know, God had you planned to marry me. So you couldn't die at that time. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just kind of chronicles. She was called the Duke of the school. And she was, she said she had to fight her way through. If She's from Jersey, had to fight her way through grade school mm-hmm. and middle school. And when the Lord saved her and she just had a life of serving. And so it's basically about what it takes to be. A servant of God, just a humbleness ministry is not about the high seat, but it's actually about serving people who Jesus died for. Um, Right. People don't belong to us. People belong
0: to Jesus and we are
2: called to serve.
0: Exactly. Exactly. So your wife, Buddha Parson and yourself got together and wrote this book for purpose and God knew it all along that he would bring your skill sets and your experiences and hers as well to make this a combination to heal the body of Christ, as well as to heal others who needed that. Dr. Parson, do you have that 1-800 number where people may Uh, be able to call in case they're listening and they're hurting and they may need to reach out to someone? Yes. And you know,
2: you were talking about her and really, the way that came about is she was just, we would be riding along and she would be sharing things with me. And I just decided to start writing those things down because they were just so amazing. She would share her history and things that she had went through. Okay, counseling hotline is 888 455
0: Dr. Parson, can you repeat that just in case someone needed a pen to write that down? If you yes. need counseling or prayer. Or you're going through some hurting times, you can call the hotline that Dr. Parson has given. Can you repeat that once again?
2: 888-455-6255.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Parson. You know, like yourself, a lot of hurting people that need information, not only in the educational world, but hurting people who are looking for purpose and destiny. They come to me. And so your resource is a huge outlet for them to go if they need the counseling for your right. organization. Exactly. Also, Dr. Parson, the five books that you have, can you just tell the audience once again how people can get them and if they want to order them or how they can get in contact with you if they want you to come in for speaking engagements?
2: Yes, they can. <laughs> there There's several ways. Or they can just call me, 704 7799819. And of course I have other ways on my email and our website where those are not as personal as just calling me. My email is RLParson at gmail.com, RLParson at gmail.com. Awesome. And then of course, they can go to our website, which is TLcoJc.org, TLcoJc.org, and they can also get in touch with me from there. That's what a lot of people do. Get in
0: touch with me. If you're calling or you're writing in, make sure you mention that you heard it on the OG Inspiration show. Thank you so much. Dr. Parson, you have given us a wealth of knowledge. Time goes always quick when you're having a lot of fun and you're imparting knowledge. And so, unfortunately, we have to leave the OG Inspiration show. But can you give the audience final words of encouragement or direction? And then could you close us out with the final prayer?
2: Yes. Well, one of the greatest liberating things in my life has been I don't have to know everything. God is the only one that knows everything. And someone asked me about the doctorate and just what did it mean? And I said, well, I learned how much I didn't know and how much I don't know. And I encourage you out on the line, if you need help, seek out help. It's all right if you don't know. If you can't understand, if you're feeling depressed, you're feeling hurt, reach out for help because God wants you to live. He wants you healthy and he wants you whole. Exactly, exactly.
0: Dr. Parson, can you close us out with the final prayer on this show?
2: Father, in the precious name of your
0: son, Jesus,
2: Lord, we just want to say we thank you for this time that you allowed us to spend with your awesome servant on this morning. Now, Father, those that are listening to us today, Lord, we pray that something has been said and that will bless them and help them to even draw closer to you and continue with a health and whole life. Father, now we commit this time and all that we have said into your hands under the power of your guidance. We thank and we precious in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, audience, this is all the time we have on the OV Inspiration Show, hoping that you have been empowered, encouraged, and informed on possibilities. And so until next week, this is Dr. Odell Glenn signing off. Have a wonderful week. Be blessed. And we'll talk next week. God bless. Oh
1: God, oh God. And I thank you, God's grace. Thank you, Jesus. God's grace. thank you. God's grace. Thank
2: you right now, Jesus. God's grace. I made made it. I
1: made it. This I made it. made it.